Hi, good evening. We are uh, in the, our adult uh, Bible class here in the, the auditorium. We are studying the life of Christ. Uh, if you're new with us tonight, we've been, well, we've been, we began this endeavor back in January. Uh, we're going to go through the entire uh, New Testament gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, looking at the life of Christ. We're growing in chronological order uh, from the beginning of his ministry until the end. And so we are uh, tonight uh, continuing our uh, look at the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, again, we really, we raced through a lot of uh, the early part of Jesus' life, but now we've kind of taken a little bit slower as we've gotten to the Sermon on the Mount, since it's such an important uh, topic, the greatest uh, sermon to ever be preached. And so we've been dealing with the, this for the past uh, four classes, actually. So this is actually class number five on the Sermon on the Mount. If you have a, uh, the packet in front of you, this is lesson number 25 uh, this evening. But uh, if you were with us Sunday morning, we looked uh, at Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting in, in verse, oh, verse 21 through 26, where uh, Jesus was talking about uh, the, the concept of uh, anger and uh, murder. And so if you remember back in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 5, this is sort of the springboard passage uh, as Jesus uh, begins his thoughts here, where he says to his disciples up on the mountain, he says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And, of course, you know, he's talking to his disciples and he's telling them that, you know, that there is a, uh, these, this new way that he is uh, bringing to them that they need to understand that uh, the Pharisees and the scribes were very outward uh, religiously, you know, they like to be in front of men. They like to say long prayers. They like to make an example of themselves to show how, you know, righteous and, and pious they were. And Jesus is saying it's not about that. It's not about the, the outward self, uh, as we're going to see here uh, through these verses, but it's the heart. It's the inward part that uh, you need to work on. And you need to be more righteous than the Pharisees in that uh, respect. And so in chapter 5, he's got a series of things that he wants to tell them about. Remember, he says, you know, you have heard that it was said this, but I will tell you uh, this. Uh, and again, a lot of these things that he's pointing out are things that they have taken and uh, such as uh, this first one here in verse 21, uh, you shall not commit murder. Of course, he's referencing the, uh, the Ten Commandments of the old law and he says that it's more than just not committing murder you shall not commit her excuse me you've heard that the ancients told you you shall not commit murder uh, but then verse 22 he says but i say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court you know, again he, he's teaching about their their inward uh selves their heart condition you know just because you have murder in your heart uh, but don't act upon it, Jesus is saying, it doesn't mean you're keeping the law. And then he goes on to tell us that, you know, if you have this type of anger within yourself towards your brother or sister, uh, he gives a couple of examples. But the first one he says, you know, leave your offering at the, at the altar, go to your brother or sister, 
reconcile, take care of things before you offer worship. It'll do you no good to come and worship me with, and you have this hatred in your heart towards others. And then he makes another example uh, in that passage about, uh, about, you know, make friends with your opponents uh, before you go before the judge. You know, take care of it now. Be reconciled now. Uh, again, we, we mentioned the verse in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, verse 26, that says, Be angry, yet do not sin. Uh, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Again, emphasizing that, that reconciliation needs to take place soon. Don't let it fester. Don't let it get bitter. Uh, take care of it before the sun goes down. And we also spend quite a bit of time in class talking about the example of Esau and Jacob in the Old Testament. Right? Uh, uh, Jacob wronged Esau a couple of times, took it, taking his uh, birthright and taking his blessing. You know, Esau was the firstborn, even though they were twins, he was the firstborn. Uh, but he had the birthright, he had the blessing, and Jacob tricked him both those times. Of course, Jacob is forced to flee into a, another country, uh, another nation, uh, because Esau was extremely upset. And, you know, and so Jacob's growing up uh, elsewhere. You know, he, he meets his, his wife, his wives, and they have children, uh, the 12 uh, children. And eventually, in Genesis chapter 32 and 33, they come back. To the land, but uh, remember, Jacob doesn't know how Esau is going to react. And you know, it's interesting uh, because you know uh, Jacob. You know, he prays that you know Esau is going to uh, be lenient to him. He, you know, remember he puts his family sort of in this rank and file line as they go in, just in case Esau is angry enough to attack. But again, years have passed. But when they finally get, when Jacob finally gets back to meet Esau. Uh, Esau is in tears. He's weeping because his brother had been gone for so long and he was uh, uh, weeping of tears of joy, obviously, to be reunited, uh, be reconciled to his brother. And, uh, you know, he asked him, you know, who are these? Uh, who are these uh, women and these children? And Jacob, you know, again, uh, has to explain to him that, you know, the, in essence, you know, this is your sister. These are your sister-in-laws. These are your nieces and nephews. And we kind of made the point that, you know, you know, anger within families and within churches uh, can do a lot of damage uh, because there are times where we might not talk to them for a long period of time. We might not reconcile those things. And because of that, in Esau's life, for example, you know, he didn't get to see his uh, his nieces and nephews grow up uh, because of, you know, the, the hatred and the that they had between them uh, before, you know, Jacob fled. And so that was really the lesson that we looked at Sunday morning of, you know, reconciliation. You know, again, if you have uh, anger in your heart, uh, Jesus is comparing that to murder. And so the, the text for tonight, as we move on uh, in Matthew chapter five is verses 27 through 32. And again, we need to remember you know, the context of this situation that Jesus has you know, springboarded uh, that verse 20. For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, again, uh, last week we first noticed his teaching on murder and anger. Uh, next uh, Sunday, uh, we'll look at uh, how to treat one another. And he's going to talk about giving oaths and, uh, you know, revenge. You know, they say eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I say... 
this, and then he's going to talk about having love for your neighbor and, and hating your enemies. But in this section that we're looking at tonight, Jesus is turning to the topic of lust and adultery and divorce. Again, he's going to give us a couple of these things. He says, you have heard that it was said about adultery, but I say to you this. Or you have heard that it was said about divorce, but I say to you this. And of course, you know, this isn't uh, the most favorite topic that, you know, I would want to choose to teach on tonight. But of course, uh, Jesus preached about it. It's in scripture. And so as we come to it, you know, we need to look at what Jesus has to say about this. Uh, you know, we know uh, from looking at, you know, statistics uh, that are available to us that, you know, for the past 20, 40 years, you know, the, the divorce rate in this country is right around 50 uh, percent. Um, but uh, it's actually in the past few years, it's starting to drop, you know, and we might think that's that's a good thing. But does anyone want to sort of guess why it has dropped over the past few years? Right, exactly. Uh, the number of marriages uh, has dropped significantly uh, because people are cohabitating, uh, uh, starting to live together. And, and if you, you, know, you might ask, well, why is that? And they'll give you reasons such as, you know, economic reasons. You know, it's just too hard to live uh, by yourself uh, as far financially. Uh, maybe it's two that are, are dating and they want to test the waters. Or um, a lot of times, I was reading today, it's a product of divorce itself. You know, they had parents who divorced. And so uh, they want to make sure that, you know, if by living together before marriage, they say uh, that uh, things will uh, work out. But um, statistically, it, it's actually a lot worse, uh, they say, uh, in the in these studies that I looked at today for people who cohabitate or, or you know, shack up living together before marriage. Uh, it's actually uh, the statistics say that, quite frankly, they're going to end up. Uh, Divorcing as well, quite higher. And so, uh, you know, obviously because uh, when you do that, you're not putting in a, uh, a commitment, right? Because marriage is a covenant, is it not? It's a covenant between not only, you know, the male and the female, but it's also a covenant between who? God. Right. I always uh, pictured it sort of this way, or at least when I was in school, they sort of taught it this way is, you know, you, if I had something to write on, it'd be easier. But, you know, the man and the female, and, you know, and they're connected in the marriage relationship. But then sort of if you were to imagine a triangle, uh, you know, God's right there. Right. There, there's that covenant relationship here and then there's the covenant relationship here. And so. You know, obviously, you know, this is uh, one of the tougher topics to uh, to look at. But of course, you know, we need to, again, remember, you know, who is the author of uh, of marriage? God. God is the author. And so as the author, he has the right to define the rules. Uh, who can get married? Uh, who can get uh, divorced? Um, of course, Malachi in the Old Testament, uh, chapter two, verse 16, tells us that God hates a divorce, and we know that you know it can do a lot of damage uh, to homes, and there's so much confusion today. And we're going to see in these passages 
that Jesus is going to talk about three specific things. First, he's going to talk about uh, lusting, you know, and again, we live in a, a time and a society that, you know, you don't have to really leave your doors, uh, your homes to accomplish this. You know, it's readily uh, available to us. Uh, adultery, uh, you know, again, uh, we'll talk about specifically what this means, but, you know, there are dating sites out there who, uh, you know, specifically target uh, adultery. You know, they have these taglines uh, saying, you know, life is short, so have an affair. Right? The world's promoting this, uh, that, uh, that adultery is okay. And then again, a divorce. You know, we talked about uh, the statistics there. But let, let's read this passage, and then we'll see uh, what it has to say. And then we'll also look at some other scriptures as well. So starting in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 27, again, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So a lot in there. Again, uh, you know, is this the only passage within Scripture uh, that teaches uh, about um, uh, these subjects, adultery, divorce, and... Right, no. And so, uh, obviously, as students of the Bible... Uh, you know, we understand that, you know, if this was a topic that we wanted to go really in depth in, we need to go to all of the passages pertaining to this. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 you know, uh, that we just read. Matthew chapter 19 is a very significant passage, and we'll deal with that. Uh, Mark chapter 10, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, Romans chapter 7. So uh, there's a lot of different passages that we would need to go to to uh, read. But again, let's notice there in verse 27. Jesus begins by saying, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And again, just like Sunday morning, uh, Jesus goes to pull one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, here is another one of the Ten Commandments, the seventh one. You know, you shall not commit adultery. What was the punishment for adultery in the Old Testament? Okay, uh, capital punishment, right? Um, now, who, again, who was the guilty parties in uh, the capital punishment? Was it one individual, two individuals? Let's read a couple of these. Uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 20, verse 10, uh, lets us know here. Uh, if there is a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery with his friend's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely uh, be put to death. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 22, uh, reaffirms this when, when uh, 
Moses wrote here, If a man is found lying with a married woman, then both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman, uh, thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. So again, we see uh, in God's old law to the Israelites, again, to the Israel nation, uh, thou shall not commit adultery, one of the Ten Commandments. And we see in those passages that those who are guilty of this uh, sin were to be put to death. Um, but again, Jesus is, uh, you know, again, the whole purpose of uh, Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus is teaching on these different topics, is he's getting to the heart problem because uh, the, the Jewish nation, they're just focusing on the outward act. Right? They understand that adultery uh, is a sin, but Jesus is trying to get them to understand that, you know, it begins where? It begins in the heart, he tells us in verse 28. It's not just the outward action that uh, we need to make sure that, we're, that we don't uh, sin against him, but it's also the inward action. Again, verse 28. I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman uh, with lust for her has already committed adultery with her uh, in his heart. Well, maybe we need to you know, sort of de define some terms uh, in the study as well. You know, what does it mean to commit adultery? You know, this is a, <clears throat> a, a sexual union involving, you know, uh, someone who uh, is married or, or maybe uh, both individuals are married. You know, the, uh, it involves an act with uh, someone else's uh, spouse. Uh, John chapter 8, you remember this account where uh, Jesus, uh, is, the people bring a woman to Jesus and they, they uh, you know, they're, they're trying to trap Jesus uh, but they bring a woman uh, to him. It says in chapter 8 of uh, the book of John, uh, verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Right? Uh, adultery is an act, again, a, a sexual union involving um, those uh, who uh, are, are married in one sense. Now, you know, we need to sort of, uh, again, define some terms because, you know, some translations use different uh, words to describe this. Uh, fornication, uh, the word fornication or the word in my translation in uh, verse 32 uses, uses the word unchastity or, or some of the other translations will say sexual immorality. Uh, but I think fornication is probably the better term for us to understand. This is a broad Term, a broad term that includes uh, different types of um, uh, of sexual sin. Uh, you have, you know, homosexuality. You have, uh, uh, you know, the sexual relations outside of marriage. You have adultery. You know, all of these uh, different uh, acts are within this umbrella term of uh, fornication. So, uh, all adultery is fornication, but not all fornication is adultery, if you uh, understand that. Uh, but again, uh, Jesus uh, starts off here by saying, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. 
But I say to you that everyone looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with uh, her in his heart. You know, the Jews listening to this, you know, they're probably thinking again, you know, what are you talking about, Jesus? Isn't it just the act itself? But no, Jesus says uh, just looking at somebody with lust for them is uh, is adultery. You know, sometimes we distinguish it by referring to it as, as mental adultery and not, not physical adultery, but a mental adultery. And uh, Jesus, or excuse me, just as the uh, just as the act in the Old Testament, we just read those verses, uh, you know, uh, adultery is uh, punishable by death. You know, we read in the New Testament uh, that the act is also uh, punishable by a spiritual uh, death. Uh, Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22 uh, lists uh, those who, who practice adultery as those uh, who um, will be in that, that, that second death, the, the lake of fire. And so, again, you know, we need to understand that he's taking them back to, uh, to their hearts, their motives, their thoughts that's preceding the action. Look again at verse 28. Everyone who looks at a woman. Uh, you know, can this go both ways by... By, by the way, right, Jesus isn't particularly talking about the, the male, uh, but uh, this can be the, a male or female. Again, anyone who looks at a woman or looks at a man with lust for her, uh, this word, you know, if, if I'm flipping through a television channel and, you know, some, or I'm driving down the highway and there's an inappropriate billboard you know, somebody who might be scantily clad. Uh, have I just committed this adultery that Jesus is talking about? No, because again, look at that word there in verse 28. Anyone who looks at a woman, this word here looks, it, it means a continual process of looking, a sustained intentional stare. Again, he's not, a, uh, he's not a condemning uh, the appreciation of, you know, of the natural attraction that he's, you know, that God has put within uh, man uh, towards women and women towards uh, males, right? But rather, it's that lustful desire, right, to have what 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 you can't have to lust. Um, who in the Old Testament do we remember as uh, probably the most for committing this? David, right. David, in the story of Bathsheba, David and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter 11, you know, David, he should be out to war uh, with, his, with his group, uh, but he's, he's staying back at his home. He goes out on the rooftop and he sees, uh, the Bible says, a beautiful woman that, who's upon her rooftop bathing. And, uh, you know, this woman happened to be married to uh, one of his mighty men, Uriah uh, the Hittite. But... You know, this, uh, the Bible says, you know, that he, he saw her, then he inquired of her, and then, you know, she is brought to him, and that's where uh, this uh, act of adultery takes place. You know, this wasn't a mere glance that David took part in, right? He was looking with intent, uh, enough so that he inquired of her, you know, hey, go find out who this is and bring her to me, you know, and, and that's. Uh, that's what needs to be avoided. Uh, in Job chapter 31, you know, Job, of course, uh, is referred to as a righteous and blameless man. 
And, uh, you know, he famously said in verse thir- chapter 31 and verse 1 that he made a covenant with his eyes. Uh, you know, again, that's you know, what we need to uh, uh, be doing as well is, you know, making a covenant with our eyes. You know, teaching our children to uh, make a covenant with their eyes. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. No, we're running out of time very quickly. But Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. A marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, uh, God will judge. But here is some hope, though. Here's some hope. Uh, you remember in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, when uh, Paul is listing uh, you know, the, these different individuals in Corinth, and how they used to act. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9. He said, Or do you not know that the unrighteousness, or excuse me, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Then listen to this part. He says, Such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. And so, you know, Paul mentions here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that some of those in Corinth were practicing adultery. But when they became Christians, they put those things aside. They stopped doing that. Again, going back to Matthew chapter 5. I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has, uh, has, has already committed adultery with her in her heart. Well, uh, you know, maybe we need to define a little bit what is lust. Uh, lust is not love. Right? It's not love. It, again, it's looking with intent. Because, you know, love, biblical love seeks the good of another person. It, it's unselfish. But lust is the opposite, right? It, it, it's selfish. It exploits others. And so uh, he gives us this example uh, here in verse uh, 29 and 30, right? He says, if your right eye uh, it causes you to stumble. Now, isn't that ironic? Because our eyes are supposed to help us you know, not stumble. But he says, if your right eye uh, makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. Or in verse 30, if your right hand makes you stumble... Cut it off and throw it from you. Now, is he literally uh, teaching that we need to take out our eyes or our arms uh, in order to combat this? No, he's not taking the. Or he's not teaching literally. Now, uh, some some uh, you know have uh, taken these verses literally. One of the old uh, Christian um, or one of the, one of the fathers of uh, of that lived sort of in the uh, second century, uh, his name was Origen, uh, he took those verses literally and he made himself a, a eunuch. Um, but again, what, what would be the point of taking one eye off or one hand off uh, if he was talking literal? You know, we'd still have the other eye, we'd still have the other hand. You know, we understand he's not talking uh, literally, but he's giving us an extreme example. You know, the, there's an emphasis here uh, that... Uh, if you have something in your life that is holding you back, that's causing you to sin, causing you to lust, 
You need to get rid of it. Uh, you know, uh, again, if, uh, if there's a television series or that, that causes you to lust, you know, maybe you need to get rid of television, the Internet, books and magazines. Uh, maybe there's someone uh, in the office that you work with that uh, maybe is a little you know, flirtatious towards you, uh, but they're, they're, they're married or you're married. You know, maybe we need to break those social ties. Again, if our right eye or if our right hand causes us to stumble, get rid of it. Uh, because he tells us there in both of those examples, it would be better for you to have one eye or to have one uh, arm than for your whole body to go into hell. Again, an extreme example that if something causes you to sin, uh, to lust, get rid of it. Get it out of your life. And uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, we might ask ourselves, well, you know, how can, how can I do that? Uh, how can I, you know, I have this problem, you know, how can I um, really, truly, uh, you know, get, the, get those things out of my life? And, you know, I know a lot of um, people will have what they call an accountability partner. Uh, there's somebody that they can confide in, whether it's the preacher or uh, an elder or, uh, you know, somebody uh, they're close with, a friend the, that, you know, maybe they have a certain sin problem that they struggle with. You know, uh, talk to them about it and, you know, they check in with them every day and just see how they've done. And so, you know, maybe that's something uh, that would be helpful uh, to think about uh, again uh, here in this. And I know we're quickly, quickly running out of time, but the, the, the next section, again, after he said, um, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Now in verse 31, he says, you have heard that it was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Uh, but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, or fornication or sexual immorality uh, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I just want to make uh, you know, a point here um, before we have to end. But like we uh, spoke here a second ago, you know, if we were to go to Luke chapter 16, verse 18, this is Luke's account uh, of the same passage. But in Luke chapter 16, verse 18, Luke records... Uh, everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries one who is divorced from a husband commits adultery. You know, if we were to simply, if all we had was Luke's passage, or if all we ever studied was Luke's passage here, you know, he doesn't give that exception clause that, that uh, we have here in, in Matthew. Again, it's the same uh, the same thing that Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5, except in Matthew chapter 5, uh, Jesus gives that exception clause that says, uh, except for the reason of unchastity. Again, whoever divorces his wife, except for the reason of, again, your translation might say fornication or unchastity or, or um, sexual immorality, makes her uh, commit adultery. And I have so much more I want to talk about this. And so we'll finish this uh, up on Sunday morning and uh, um, appreciate your attendance and uh, your participa participation.
And I know that there's a lot to go through to try to jam into this one class, but we'll uh, pick up our thoughts uh, Sunday morning on this topic. Thank you.